Hey, it's Ron. This episode was recorded before I launched Politicology when I hosted the Lincoln Project podcast on this feed. If you have questions, comments, or advice, you can reach us at podcast at politicology.com or find us online at politicology.com. Enjoy. Hello from the Lincoln Project. I'm Ron Steslow. Welcome to our first mailbag episode. We have gotten tons of incredible questions from our listeners and on our town halls, and we've been able to answer some of them, but I wanted to get together with a couple of my fellow co-founders to answer some of the great questions we haven't yet gotten to. Joining me today are communication strategist and former chair of the New Hampshire Republican Party, Jennifer Horn. It's great to have you back, Jennifer. It's great to be here, Ron. Thank you. And former political director of the California Republican Party, Mike Madrid. Thanks, Mike, for being on. Looking forward to this, Ron. So let's dive in. Let's see if we can get to, I don't know, half dozen or so questions here. The first one is from Chad McGlone, who writes, how do we move forward with friends and family who have passionately supported Trump and might still endorse Trumpism? He also gave some examples like reconciling with individuals who have acted as if the coronavirus is a hoax and people who have refused to accept the results of the election. Mike, let's hear from you first. So we've begun to talk quite a bit about this, and I think um, I will be talking a lot about this because I do believe that Trumpism and the adherence to, to Donald Trump in the face of kind of facts and evidence and just the overall crassness of the character speaks to a broader social phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's very important because I do believe we are entering a new phase in our political history where this dynamic is happening for a reason. And, and incidentally, I also don't believe that it's specific to the United States. We're witnessing a global phenomenon of populism rising. And I think that the whole globe, not just the Western world, but the entire globe is going to start witnessing more and more politicians of this kind of type and tenor and character. Now, having said that, I do not believe that the 70 million plus folks who voted for Donald Trump are all of like mind. I think they all came to their own conclusions for different reasons. And I do believe that the best way to defeat Trumpism is to work with those who are willing to work to build a better country and to build a better America. And I think that there is a significant segment of the population and even of Trump's voter base that is willing to support that. Not all, and I wouldn't even, I'm not even sure it's a majority, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that there are people out there that are willing to do that, and that is what our system is predicated on. And in order to do that, again, first, as I've said before, you have to find people who, who love this country more than they hate the opposition party, right? And to separate and make those distinct is very important. If it becomes about a right-left discussion, it will go nowhere, and it will go nowhere fast, and it will ruin your Thanksgiving holiday. If it becomes an ideological discussion, it also does not have a very good chance of getting anywhere. You're not going to convince people on Facebook, for example. But the third area of opportunity is really to talk about the basic fundamentals of some of these actions which are not acceptable and should not be acceptable. For example, undermining the outcome of what was the cleanest election in the history of probably this country, right? Um, Undermining the norms and constitutional measures which have built the foundation for who we are, And starting at really the 30,000-foot level is always the best way as Americans to come to agreement on what it is that we can agree on. Now, if you can't agree on that, it's probably best not to join the conversation because it's not going to go anywhere. But my, my strong suspicion is, even from conversations that I've had with Trump supporters, is you can find at least that common ground and begin to build from there. So that would be my advice, my recommendation to start with. But I really want to hear 
Jennifer's because Jennifer's much more adept at interpersonal skills and relationships than anybody else on the Lincoln Project. Yeah. So Jennifer, before you take that, I want to read you a similar question just so we can get another one in, but this is all along the same line. So Marie Walden writes, how do we continue to work together once Biden takes office? How do conservatives and liberals of good faith work together to find compromises? I'm wary of splintering after the election and returning to the dysfunction each side in its own corner. What do we do with the disagreements that will inevitably arise between factions that are currently aligned against Trump? I would start by saying, um, always in when you're trying to communicate with people with whom you disagree, start with the common ground. You know, what is a point where you can agree with each other? And when it comes to these political conversations, to Mike's point, the 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump are not 70 million racist, bigoted, hateful people who want to blow up the country and destroy democracy and, and accuse people of fraud who haven't committed it. You know, that is not, that's not 70 million people. I think that when it comes to these political conversations, if the people, if the person you're talking to is one of the, say, 30%, who are behind Donald Trump in that kind of a category, no matter what, mm-hmm. or 25%, then that person should be taken off the list of people you discuss politics with, period. There's no, there's no, there's no moving that person. Um, I, with everybody else, and to the second question, which kind of focused more in where I think that you ne- we need to focus, and that's on issues. So let's, let's, let's start a new, let's, you know, enter a new era where our political conversations are no longer focused around whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, a liberal or a conservative. Let's talk about issues. Let's say we're talking about comprehensive immigration reform, healthcare reform. Um, how about a, an updated voting rights act or, you know, you know, these issue, bigger issues where if you're talking, that that when when you do that, you don't need to agree with me about everything in the Republican Party. You just need to agree that we just need to figure out health care reform. You know what I mean? And I don't know if I'm making sense. Pick that. No, let's talk about issues, mm-hmm. problems and solutions. Mm-hmm. And and I think that if we all agree that something is a problem, then we can work together to create a solution for it. Then we move on to the next one and the next one. And frankly, I think that um, civil rights, um, criminal justice reform, a, an updated Voting Rights Act. I think there are some big justice issues in this country that are really pressing right now that people from all different political, you know, all across the political spectrum should be able to come together and work together and I think find some pretty significant common agreement. So I don't believe that all of Donald Trump's supporters are racist. Right. But I believe all of them are comfortable voting for a racist. Yeah. And I think it's undeniable. We are we are at a point where it's just it's a, the language is undeniable. The, what what was what who he embodied is undeniable. Now people can come to their own conclusion, however they do, and I don't want to be terribly judgmental about that. I'm going to be a little bit judgmental, but that is not somebody that I that shares my value system. It's not what I want my children to have learned. It's not the way I want them to present themselves in the world. Um, I have family members who voted for Donald Trump. Um, and so there's 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 a big moment. I think there's a time for decision making, and I don't, uh, I don't. To me, this this is so core to who I am as a as a Latino, as a man of color. I I think back where would I have been in the spring of 1863, as a as an abolitionist. I know where my I know where I would have been, but how would I have interacted with those that disagreed with me? 
is there, does a line come at a certain point where you say, I won't work in coalition with this. I won't support this. That was why I broke with the Republican Party. And, and being involved in, Repo- in politics was was an embodiment, as a manifestation of the values that I passionately believe in. So this is not this was not a disagreement on tax policy. This was yeah, not a disagreement right. on foreign yeah, policy. Yeah. This was something foundational to who I am as a human being. And so it makes it very difficult, I think, to kind of to maintain some of those relationships. There are very, very close human relationships, which I have lost. But I will also say I, I don't regret yeah. that decision right. w- one bit. That is absolutely central to who I am as a human being. And it's worthy of the fight. And like I said, I do believe we are at the Donald Trump losing is the end of the beginning. We are entering yes. a new period in American history. I don't think it will last more than 30 or 40 years. I think a lot of this has to do with demography and technological yeah. change. But we are entering a long struggle where these questions are going to become not only central to the American experience and the American identity, but it is going to become a very divisive time, not unlike what we saw in the 1860s. I believe that that's where we're at at this moment in our country's history. And and I have to respond to that, Ron, because um, when he started talking about the 1860s, Mike, that's exactly in the direction that my mind was going. I agree with 100% with everything Mike has said since we started this conversation, to be clear. And I think that um, his point that he just made about this is the end of the beginning, I think is really important for people to understand that we have people who um, look at Donald Trump and they don't vote for him because they think he's the lesser of two evil. They vote for him because they embrace him, Mm -hmm. because he is speaking what they are thinking. That is the foundation of what is going to be, is what is so destructive and going to be so damaging over this, you know, next generation, this next uh, 25, 35 years um, that Mike talks about. It is absolutely going to be a battle of whether or not we are going to accept the United States of America as a racist country. And it's that abrupt that people have to understand that is what the, the fight is. However, when we start talking about the 1860s, which is obviously a reference to the Civil War era, um, what I think of first when Mike says that, and this is what I was thinking about when I was talking about family a minute ago, is how many families were destroyed in the 1860s as sons went off to fight on different sides of a civil war. It didn't just break the hearts of their mothers. It broke the heart of a nation. We cannot devalue that. We cannot underestimate how damaging that is to a country to to do that, to go through that. So when I talk about the necessity of preserving the relationships with the people we love, it's not just about keeping families together. It's about keeping a country together. I am not worried at this moment in time that people are going to take up arms and start shooting at each other across some you know unseen border in our country, some imaginary line that divides us from them. But I am very cognizant of the fact that civil wars do take place. They do, and they grow from moments like this, which is why it is so important, not just for the Lincoln Project, not just for Mike and I, but for all people of of strong principle and hearty values to be part of that conversation. But when it comes to 
I have lost many French friendships in the last four years that will never come back. And I have no interest in seeking out. It has become clear to me that there are many friends, many people in the Republican party who are very different in their hearts than what I believe them to be. And so to Mike's point, those are relationships that are gone. And I'm very comfortable with that. But the foundation of our lives who we are as human beings are about connections with people we love. I am not going to define the depth of my love for my brothers and sisters and children by differences in politics, because if we allow that to happen, that's when it suddenly becomes a lot easier to take up arms and be us against them. We are living in a very difficult moment. It's hard. We, nobody, I can remember when I was a kid, I was like 12 or 13 years old and was learning about the civil rights movement and had to write a paper about it and asked my dad, dad, if I was, you know, if I was an adult in 1962, 1964, 1958, do you think, do you think I would have gone down and marched in the South? Do you think I would have been part of the Freedom Riders? Do you think I would have done that? And I wanted my dad to say to me, yeah, you're a great, you're a good person. You would have done that. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what you would have done. He's like, you know, only, only, you know, you'll have to learn that with time, what you think you would have done. Um, and I, I feel like this is one of those moments, you know, our children are watching us and they are, and when their test comes, I want them to be able to have looked at me and know what I did and know exactly what I would do in whatever the future test is going to be for them. I don't want there to be any question about it. Let it be clear. I'm, this is where I stand. This is what I believe. And this is what I will fight for. Yeah, that was, Marie got a lot more than she was bargaining for there. Uh, so but thank you for the, <laughs> thank you for the question, question, Marie. Marie. <laughs> Sarah Edwards writes, what does a small government slash fiscal conservative look like? What were the underpinnings of the Republican Party you joined and how has it changed? Mike, why don't you take that one? That's a really great question because a lot of this, especially a lot of the criticism um, that I think I know I've personally received is, didn't you sow the seeds of all this? Yeah. When has, when has yeah. Republicanism we've all got that. When has Republicanism ever represented something good? Um, look, the truth of the matter is, Government has grown, grew under Ronald Reagan. It grew under George W. Bush. It's grown under Republican governors, albeit somewhat slower in most instances than it has under Democrats. There has been a disconnect between the philosophy that we have, uh, you know, advocated for as a party and the actual real governance. But to me, there's always been a distinction. There's always been a distinction. See, political parties to me have always been a vehicle to advance the ideas that I believe in. They've never been the end game. They've never been the end all. And I've never held up one person or one president as, as more virtuous than any other human being, right? They're human beings. Uh, not to take this too far, but, you know, Lincoln himself. I mean, Lincoln was, you know, he was an abolitionist, but his main goal was to preserve union. It was not to free the slaves, right? We, we, the mythology of Lincoln is, is, you know, something that we need to examine too, especially during these times. And my point is this. Mm-hmm. I believe that government, smaller government, is more often a more efficient way to deliver the services for its members than than large government is. Now, not all the time, but often, and that's where I like to begin, that, that beginning point. And my philosophy has always been, and I think this is this really shocks people, is I come I come from from a Catholic tradition. 
where I was raised every day to ask myself the question while I was washing my face in the morning is, what are you going to do to help the least among us every morning? That's why I got into politics. And I believe that the philosophy of conservatism helps to address that. I'm a part of the conservative movement because of that value system, because I seek to spend every one of my days addressing how we can lift up those, the least among us. And, and to me, the philosophy works. Now, being small government for small government doesn't make you a racist, <laughs> right? Being for small government doesn't make you a bad person. I think more often than not, it makes you actually a good person. And it helps to build a, a cultural spirit and, and a human spirit that actually elevates and lifts people up. That's why I am a conservative. That is no longer the Republican Party. Okay, that is no longer. I don't. I, I think that conservatism and republicanism are two very different things. So, uh, sorry, but again, long way of, of answering the question by saying, government unfortunately has a tendency to grow continually, regardless of who is overseeing it, who is governing it. It just happens to grow in a certain area. For Republicans, government gets really big in the military. For example, police budgets start to swell at the local government level. Social services start to contract. The exact opposite happens generally. Uh, with Democrats. So it, it, it is, I think, a little bit disingenuous to suggest that um, Republicans have been more small government um, than, than Democrats, but the, the philosophy remains the same. That's what's important, is I approach my political involvement, the work that I do every day from governing principles that I choose to govern my life and that I believe genuinely will build a better society. And whichever philosophy more closely aligns with that is, is where I will support it. But I'm not going to wear a red jersey just because it's red or yeah. a blue jersey just because right. it's blue. Yeah. I think that's the problem that we've gotten into in this country. And frankly, it's what's allowed the Republican Party to become entirely anti-ideological at this point. There is no governing philosophy of the Republican Party. And so to say that it's a conservative party, I think, is, is a misnomer. Jesper Riedel writes, how can the U.S. rebuild trust between nations? I'm afraid the effects of Trump's presidency will remain for a long time and that world leaders will fear history repeating itself in four years. Mike? I think they should be concerned in creating uh, an ally with the United States. I'm concerned as an American on what our character is. But uh, that takes time. It takes, it's gonna, what, what has been destroyed, I think, uh, can be rebuilt. And I think we have historically been a better ally than a foe, but we are unreliable. We just are at this point in time. And I think our allies need to approach it as such. Okay, Mudita Tawari writes, do you have concerns about the rise of apps like Parler and Rumble, et cetera? Are you familiar with these? Yeah, I mean, yes, I have concerns about them, but they, they have the potential to be just as dangerous as Facebook became in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know if these other ones are more secretive. I haven't joined either of them, but they appear to exist for the purpose of giving people who um, embrace what Donald Trump is a place to go quietly, coalesce and um, strategize. And, and that's very concerning. Tressa Hunter writes, is it possible that faithless electors will steal this election for Donald Trump? No. Well, no, 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 it's is, possible. Is it? No, right. It, it is it, possible. Well, no, it is maybe constitutionally possible. It's not going to happen. Sure. It's not going to happen, but it is possible. Legally, it is possible there's a path for that to happen. That is the truth. Yes. But but my answer is still no, it is not, gonna it's not going and to I, happen. And I, and I emphasize that because I think that that is one of the things that is feeding so much anxiety out there and making people so, um, you know, yeah. ready for battle at a moment's notice. People need to understand it is not going to happen. But they are right to be concerned. 
everyone is right to be concerned about the possibility of this thing happening, about the pursuit of this action by the it's president the, and administration. You should be much more concerned about the pursuit than the possibility of it actually coming together. That is a, those are two very different things. Chris Dalton writes, Mike mentioned on the podcast that you determined that a significant number of college-educated white women had moved away from Trump and you shifted your focus to college-educated white men. How did that messaging look differently? That's a great question. Uh, in fact, at some point, I know that we're going to be putting out some um, messaging to kind of explain a lot of what we did. Yeah. Uh, the truth of the matter is, we, we started to do is we focused a little bit less on cultural messaging and we focused more on economic messaging uh, towards men. Men were much more compelled uh, by that messaging. Um, we started to focus on kind of the destruction, for example, of COVID as opposed to the family and human impacts and the health impacts, which were moving women. Uh, I also want people to know, you know, look, we were doing so well with women that it, we had the luxury of moving over towards men is what happened. But that that's the short answer is the economic messaging worked more impactfully with men where the, the human impact worked better with women. Thank you to everyone at home for listening. And thanks to Jennifer and Mike for taking the time today. This episode was recorded when I hosted the Lincoln Project podcast on this feed. If you have any questions or advice, you can reach us at podcast at politicology.com. And please know that even if we don't respond, we read every email we get and we love hearing from you. If you enjoy the show, it would help us if you could rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ron Steslow. I'll see you in the next episode.